This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Senator James Lankford, in a matter of moments. I hope you had a great weekend. We have a lot to discuss today. A lot will be happening on Wednesday. We're going to have Joe Biden announce new spending plans. Isn't that great? Wouldn't you think $1.9 trillion is enough for to get you through the winter months, maybe into the spring? Maybe not. Uh, and then we're going to have uh, Congressman uh, Greg Murphy is going to be joining us. He's also a doctor, uh, and he's talking about what's going on with the Guard, uh, uh, Guarding Our Border Act. Uh, he introduced this legislation. We'll see where it goes because the border is a mess. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. So if you don't like what they're doing in Georgia, you can go to court and stop them. But what they're doing with H.R. 1 is destroying the ability of any state to run elections, doing away with voter ID, changing the Federal Election Commission to make it partisan, right. and institutionalizing national ballot harvesting. Besides that, not a big deal. Hey, America, we have another issue front and center prepared to divide us on party lines. Dems want to nationalize elections and make voter ID old news. They call it H.R. 1. I call it unconstitutional and a sham. Meaning, uh, Meanwhile, in Georgia, GOP tightens rules, tightens ID requirements, and now woke corporations and sports leagues want to boycott and call them racist. Fantastic. Number two. Why in Wuhan? To quote Humphrey Bogart, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, why Wuhan? What Wuhan does have is China's level four virology institute with probably the world's largest collection of bat viruses, including bat coronaviruses. WHO advisor, former Clinton official Jamie Metzl on 60 Minutes last night talking about the origins of the coronavirus pandemic. Cases picking up uh, deaths, uh, death, cases are picking up, but deaths and hospitalizations don't. And the need for speed when it comes to vaccines. Some are already offering incentives, mandate them for admission to go to college campuses, perhaps, and maybe sports games. While the debate heats up, how China gave the world this killer virus and why they still have not told us the truth and how the WHO is going along with it. Number one. Our objective is to take a different approach from the last administration. We are not going to send children under the age of 18, kids under the age of 18, back on this treacherous journey. They are fleeing uh, challenging economic circumstances, hurricanes. Right. Uh, they're running from hurricanes. Jen Psaki making it up, getting worse and smuggling out pictures that show the kids are in pens in Donna, Texas. And you can imagine so many other places. There are so many kids and so many illegals in our country being housed on our dime. They're allowed to stay, which means tens of thousands of unaccompanied minors will come. And the VP and president are MIA while the press is locked out. How is this okay? Join us now, Senator James Langford. Senator Langford, you were just down there on Friday, right? I was. I spent the uh, time there on Thursday night and Friday. I was in Arizona along that border in Nogales just two weeks ago, getting a chance to be able to see what's really going on. So have you been out of the border before this? 
I have actually was there in 2019. In fact, I was in the Donna facility in 2019 during that surge. I actually tweeted out a picture of what the Donna facility looked like under the Trump administration and what it looks like now. Uh, And it is remarkable. One of the areas uh, where they're keeping kids is designed for 80 people and they have 709 in that area. And that's an area where I did tweet out a video of it to say, this is what Joe Biden does not want the press to see. And the, dutifully, the press is just saying, hey, we're, we're just protecting children. We're not going to actually request to be able to get in there and to be able to see it. Uh, but there's a reason that Joe Biden doesn't want the world to see what's going on in there. It's amazing to me. The vice president gets this mission and disappears. We don't even know where she is. At least put out, tell me what you're going to be doing, how you're going to attack it. One thing is clear. She says, I have no plans to go to the border. Unbelievable. Here's Kate Benningfield, who is a spokesperson for the Biden administration. Cut six. You know, what we see from the data is that these surges are cyclical. They're cyclical. They're not the result of one administration's policies or another administration's policies. They're the result of, for example, uh, uh, weather disasters in, um, in the region. They're the result of people fleeing poverty and violence. So we saw spikes in 2014. We saw them in 2019 when the Trump administration had perhaps the cruelest imaginable policies in place, family separation, to try to deter people from coming, and they still came. Is, she, is this just cyclical? This is not just cyclical, and they know it. That, this is a line that they're, they're throwing out on the American people, uh, hoping that the American people don't ask the next question. That is, what happened in 2019? So in 2014, uh, President Obama announced DACA, and when that occurred, we had a flood of kids coming in because the human traffickers started telling families in Central America, if you pay me enough money, I will get your kids into America and President Obama will give them citizenship. And so we just got this huge flood that came. In 2019, as the folks know there, uh, the courts reinterpreted an old court decision and said, if you are a, an, 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 a person uh, 18 years old and younger, uh, that you want to be able to come into the country, the country is going to allow you in. But then they reinterpreted it and said, actually, if you're in a family and you have a person in the family that's that young, uh, you can come in. And so when the court reinterpreted that, we got a flood of people again. President Trump got on top of it. He got that rule uh, fixed in in how we handled the administrative decisions on it, brought the numbers back down again. And the first day for President Biden, he took away all of those issues, and we got the same flood of people coming in again. So this is not cyclical. This is something President Biden caused, and I believe he intended to cause. Why? Why would he intend? Why would he do this on purpose? It's an embarrassment. We don't talk about his agenda at all or his one point nine trillion accomplishment, as he calls it. Well, if you look at the national media, they just ignore what's happening on the border. They'll talk about it for a day or two and then just go on and to be able to drop it. Uh, This is a payback to his progressive left uh, that said we need to have open borders so he can say publicly we don't have open borders, and every one of the activists know we really do have open borders. Brian, let me tell you, when I was there on Thursday night, we went down to a bridge check-in location in South Texas. And at that check-in location, the Border Patrol are not turning around people or arresting people that are coming across the border. They're processing them within two hours and releasing them into the country with a piece of paper that says, appear in this court hearing three years from now. So it is literally a get into the United States for the next three years and then appear at this court hearing. And I assume most of those folks are never going to show up. If you bring a child with you that's five years old, even if there are 10 members of your family, if one of them is, is five and under, 
then the whole family gets into the country for the next three years. If you're an unaccompanied minor, you get in. And the way the smugglers actually work this to get the adults in is they'll send a group of 100 children and families one direction and then go five miles down the border and to be able to take a group of adults across. So we have an open border at this point. Adults have an easy passage to be able to get in. And anyone with a five or six-year-old that wants to be able to come into the country, bring as many people as you want, with no way to verify all of those folks are actually family, they're being released in the country. There were so many insane things said by the president on Thursday that just made absolutely no sense. He flew down to meet with the Honduras leader, and he realized gangs were coming to this block because the lights weren't there. So he put, a, he put lights in the streets, and the gang problem disappeared. Not a person on this planet believes it, but no one questioned about it. It got even stupider yesterday. Here on This Week with George Stephanopoulos, listen to this, cut five. What we need to do is address the root causes of migration. It's something that President Biden did when he was vice president. He spent time in the Northern Triangle countries that people are migrating from, working to try to address the uh, the lack of infrastructure, the lack of programs like, for example, girls and boys clubs that allow these kids to be somewhere safe in their home country. So you saw last week he asked Vice President Harris to take on dealing with uh, the work and the diplomacy that's necessary in the Northern Triangle to prevent people from making this journey in the first place. That- so we're going to build more boys and girls clubs. That'll be it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. During uh, Biden's time as vice president, he did go back and forth in the Northern Triangle. He did lead what's called the um, the, um, the prosperity movement that's down there to try to see what they can do to be able to help uh, increase it. But what they did is they threw money into things like the Forest Service down there. Uh, He actually talked openly at that point about getting a natural gas pipeline uh, through Central America as a jobs development to get them better energy. And, of course, that's all been dropped now. He doesn't talk about a natural gas pipeline uh, through Central America anymore. But basically they threw money at every federal entity that's working in Central America Mm -hmm. and just handed them cash and said, go do what you want to with it. There was no strategy. There was no plan that went into it. It was just sending money to Central America. There are ways that we can help uh, folks in Central America, partnering with law enforcement here in the United States, trying to help their judicial process, uh, partnering with their military there and increased training uh, for drug interdiction, uh, working with them to do drug interdictions and help with the corruption. There are practical ways that we can help ourselves and help them, uh, because as I've talked to the leadership in Central America, they all say the same thing. We don't want our kids to leave. In fact, we want our kids and families to come back because we can't establish a strong economy if we have a lot of workers that are going to the United States instead of staying here and work. They want folks to be able to come home. Biden is literally admitting kids into the country that he knows their parents are still in Central America, but they have an uncle in Chicago. And so he's allowing those kids to be able to come in and not sending them back to their parents in Central America. If anyone did that to our kids, uh, that we had a teenager that left and went to another country, and our parents were here, and that country didn't send them back, we would protest at that. We're keeping them, and they're calling it humane. When you, when you guys were on those boats, I understand, you were being heckled by the cartels across the Rio Grande, correct? They were, they were just yeah, heckling you, like daring you to come get them and telling you you'll never control the border. Yeah, actually, that wasn't when we were on the boats. That was actually Thursday night. We went down to the river to saw one of the crossing areas, And we could see the traffickers on the other side with their flashlights talking back and forth uh, with the Border Patrol talking trash with them like you can't do anything. And, hey, friends, why don't you just come over here and get us? 
uh, but it was just a back and forth that was happening across the river in, in conversation. Uh, but it, they, they are brazen about it. They know what they're doing. Uh, they know all the gaps and the loopholes that the Biden team has created, and they're exploiting all of them because those traffickers make a tremendous amount of money to be able to move every one of these individuals across. I was trying to catch you, Senator Langford, before you go on these spending packages. $1.9 trillion got absolutely no Republican support because you just passed $900 billion uh, right before the regime change uh, in Washington. And now it looks like on Wednesday, President Biden's going to talk about a, a infrastructure package of $3 trillion, and then there's going to be another one that includes colleges uh, that are going to be paid for, pre-K that's going to be paid for, uh, there's all types of spending in this. Uh, are you ready to to back two more spending programs? I am not, actually. I, we're ready to do the infrastructure. Obviously, we need roads and bridges and water and all the key things that are in infrastructure. That's a basic function of government. But he's not talking about basic function of government. He's talking about a radical remake of government. When we talk about what does socialism look like, This is what socialism looks like, where it's just unlimited spending, and we'll figure out how to be able to do the taxation, how to do the taxation to be able to cover this later. But the goal for them is to get everyone locked into every family that's in poverty is going to be is going to receive individual checks. Uh, We're going to try to be able to make sure we're putting cash out the door, forgive every loan, go through that, so people don't have to have personal responsibility. You can depend on the government, and the government's going to take care of everything. The American dream has always been: I can pull myself up. I can work hard. I can succeed. I can pay off my own loans. Uh, I can do that hard work. And where we have uh, inequality in that, we fight to be able to make sure we have equality so that every person, every neighborhood, every race, every background has an equal shot. So let's go after equality and opportunity, but let's not try to go and just pay off everybody's loan and make them government dependent. That's an entirely different philosophy that we have not been as Americans. Right. And guess what? Now people are saying, why are you paying off your loan? Are you a sucker? Why would you pay it off? I get mine taken care of. So if you're 22, good luck. You're, you're, you're in luck. And if you're 35 and paid him off, congratulations. You did it for no reason. He was a, you had the wrong yep. president. Yep. I've actually talked to college students and have asked them that exact point and folks that have recently graduated and said, are you paying your loan? And some of them will say yes, and then others will say, actually, I'm not. I'm just waiting at this point uh, because I think it's going to get all paid off, and so I'm just going to hesitate. They could. They have the capability. <clears throat> but they're not going to do it because they just think they're going to get it all for free at this point because it's been floated. It's kind of like the same thing that's happening at the border. Uh, Biden can say, oh, no, we're not going to have open borders. Wink, wink, nod, nod. But everyone kind of knows what's going on. Uh, that's what's actually happening with all of our loan programs. And that destabilizes our economy, causes inflation to go up and, quite frankly, causes ingenuity to go down. Uh, there's something pretty powerful about having to go to work and to be able to get up and to be able to dream and to be able to work hard and to be able to get it because you make everyone better, starting with your own family. Or you can go get the most successful people in the country and take 70% of their income and then wonder why they're no longer motivated. That's what's going to happen. Senator James Langford, uh, everybody on KRMG, thanks for getting up with us and around the country. Appreciate you making the trip to the border. You bet. We'll make some more of them, try to make it clear what's really happening down there. Absolutely. Thanks, Senator James Langford. Um, we come back, your turn, one 408 then Congressman Greg Murphy on a border bill that could make a difference. Getting past all the rhetoric, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, What exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. 
It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The rest of them, the family units, the family units are being released into the United States. That's where the burden of the border communities are felt. The cities, the counties, the NGOs, we're feeling the blunt of what's happening with the family units. Unaccompanied kids are different. Those are taken under the HSS. That is uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar. To me, he's the MVP in Congress right now. He took those pictures, gave them to Axios. He continues to go down. He talks on our show. I think it was with the first. I was down at the border. Last time I was there, he was with me, and he wasn't there to meet me or be on camera. He was there in a members-only jacket walking to see, walking with the Border Patrol, and then hopped on the bus with us as we went around and buzzed around. He just wanted to see. And they tried to primary him on the Democratic side. They didn't like what he was saying because he's being critical of them. And not critical of Trump because they're trying to solve the issue. What Cuellar is doing, too, is saying his border community is being overrun by these families who have nowhere to go. Chuck was on WHIO in Ohio. Hey, Chuck. Uh, Yes, sir. I was just kind of curious. If the governors have the ability to lock Americans in their own homes and uh, over a pandemic, wouldn't the governor of Texas have some say 
in the sex trafficking and the releasing of illegal immigrants into our country through their through their own border. Don't they have some control? I would know. It's only to react. And that's why they're using the Texas Rangers to react. That's why they're forcing their way to find out what's going on in that Dallas uh, K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. And they're hearing things secondhand. I don't know if you saw the press conference last week, but the Governor Abbott had the same questions we had. He's like, I would like to know how many people are in the Donna facility. I would like to know how many more are going to go in there. I'd like to know what the accommodations are. And I'm thinking, if the governor of Texas can't tell us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We're all in trouble. Appreciate you calling. Thank you. But I think a lot of people are fed up, especially on the left. Jonathan called yesterday on This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, Here's what he said on CNN about the border issue. Cut 13. Watching from home, I would have liked to have seen, uh, uh, you know, more questions, certainly questions on COVID. Uh, But there were good questions asked. And, you know, I I mean, you pointed to Cecilia Vega. I think that's incredibly valuable. That is not right wing talking. Cecilia had just been at the border. She had just talked uh, uh, to uh, to to migrants who, who had come over, including some that said point blank that they had come uh, because they thought that they would have better treatment now that Joe Biden was president. That's mm. a legitimate question uh, to put to the president. And and I thought that his answer uh, was one of the more interesting moments in that press conference. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about Jonathan Carl. He always does a more interesting job, I think, than George Stephanopoulos. You know, a little bit less predictable. And he knows the border is not Republican issue. They might benefit from it politically, but it's hurting our country. It makes people extremely upset that don't really care about politics. Because an invasion in a pandemic, really? Allowed? Permitted? With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News Podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I spoke with two different people down at the border, two different Border Patrol leaders, both of whom met with the Biden transition team before Joe Biden came into office. And both of them told Joe Biden directly or the transition team directly, if you end the remain in Mexico policy, you will see a massive influx of illegal aliens. They predicted it. The Biden team knew this, but their politics forced them to make a decision that is now resulting in massive human suffering and tragedy. And, and, and they don't know what to do because their politics won't th- let them change. And, and so this is getting worse every day. And Ted Cruz is incensed about what he saw. He got harassed for taking some video to reveal what these kids, what kind of conditions these unaccompanied minors are in, in Donna, Texas. And you see some of those pictures. I took some of them. I took uh, one, of the, one of them and put them on my uh, Twitter account. Uh, Senator Ted Cruz, and we'll hear from uh, some more sound from him a little bit later. He was on Maria yesterday. Joining me now uh, from North Carolina, uh, the Republican out there, Congressman Greg Murphy, is also a doctor. Congressman, you're taking action on this because we need more help down there. They're actually asking for HHS employees to volunteer for 120 days at the border. That's how 
desperate they are. You have a better idea. Yeah, Brian, good morning. Um, you know, it's it's very interesting how the, the Biden administration will not call this a crisis when they've caused the crisis. And they're not willing, as, as Senator Cruz uh, alluded to, they're not willing to admit their mistakes. So let's uh, let's think about some things logically. We uh, since January 6th, January 6th was a tragedy uh, in this nation, without a doubt, without a doubt. What happened there should never have happened. And those individuals should be prosecuted. That said, um, in the ensuing months, Nancy Pelosi has decided that she would erect a 10-foot wall of razor wire and, and uh, call up uh, thousands of National Guards basically to guard the Capitol building when the Capitol Police have I mean, illicitly said that there is no credible threat. So you now have uh, spent, by all accounts, uh, sometimes half a billion dollars already guarding something that doesn't need to be guarded. There is no crisis in Washington, D.C. However— you know, the National Guard, the idea of the National Guard is to respond to national crises. They do this in floods. They do this in hurricanes. They do this in all sorts of natural disasters and other types of disasters. The true crisis in this country is not in Washington, D.C. It is at our southern border because, as Senator Cruz said, they took away the stay in Mexico policy. So our border, border control people have been overrun, overrun. And, uh, you know, the Biden administration has asked FEMA to come down, and as you said, uh, they're asking now for uh, volunteers. Well, why not take the National Guard, which we're having guard nothing in Washington, D.C., and all reallocate them to where there actually is a crisis at our southern border? And that's what uh, that's what our bill has said. Yeah. Is, uh, let's use our resources smartly. And they just got to be empowered. The problem with the National Guard is they're not empowered to do much, uh, just like the Texas Rangers aren't. You know, 42 percent of the country approve of the president's border policies. I don't know who those 42 percent are, because right now you have 18,000 unaccompanied minors in custody, 5,000 in CB uh, uh, in the Border Patrol, and uh, HHS has 12,000. So uh, when Jen Psaki was asked about that, listen to the choice she gave us. Cut four. Our objective is to take a different approach from the last administration. We are not going to send children under the age of 18, kids under the age of 18, back on this treacherous journey. They are fleeing uh, challenging economic circumstances, hurricanes, uh, prosecution in some scenarios. It does not mean that they get to stay in the United States. It means their cases are adjudicated. So she well, thinks it's – But by the way, we're not going to send them back. We fly them back, number two. And yeah. number three, they're not. If you say they can stay, that is a go sign for thousands more. Do you think she gets that? No, I don't. I don't think they have a damn clue, to be honest with you, because um, we've opened up the border and the word has gotten out. The word has gotten out. Hey, just rush the border. We're, we're before during the Trump administration. It was known that if you go to the border, um, you're going to be turned back into Mexico. So there was not this great impetus. You know, to send, you know, some young mothers have sent their children unaccompanied, nine years old. You know, a, a kid died in the Mexico desert unaccompanied. Um, and so it's been pushing him towards a better life. Well, I mean, who, who, who says that they can't have a better life? But, you know, her, her thing of fleeing from hurricanes, well, come to North Carolina, darling, and get a little shock of reality. We have hurricanes here. And so it is literally, uh, as you said, the 42 percent that, that support Biden's policy have no damn idea, uh, excuse my French, for, of what's going on. Um, let them come down to the border. But, you know, the Biden administration has now blocked out the media. 
so we don't have pictures. And mainstream media sure isn't going to cover it. Well, so well Ted Cruz put out some video, crisis. and we're rolling it on our channel, and he got some stills. And, and we have Henry Cuellar has done an awesome job bucking his own party. I'm sure he's getting blowback for that. But they won't talk to him. Uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar yesterday about the situation he knows it to be at the border. Fox uh, uh, Face the Nation. Cut 12. Families that you say are being detained under a bridge, it appears. They're being given foil blankets. You tell us this is a temporary processing site and that they are waiting to get into a holding facility. These look like families outside under the elements. Are, are all of the people we're seeing here, were they expelled from the U.S. or were they released into the U.S.? Combination of two is what we see. Title 42, which is a 1944 law, the health, public health rationale, is used mainly for 71% of the crossers, which are single adults. There are some family units that have been returned to Mexico depending on the age of the uh, kids that are with them. So what we're seeing is at that particular facility, they might want to move them into a, another Border Patrol facility. Uh, and if they don't, this is what's happening. Some will be returned, but over 2,000 of them have been released into the United States without a notice to appear. Do you believe that? 2,000 just gone. We don't know if they have the virus. You know, we don't know what they're doing. We don't know if they're criminals. We don't even know. They have no responsibility to go report themselves or come back and find out what their status is. Well, this is the Democratic plan, Brian. And, and it's the, the plan is that it's not a plan. Um, it is chaos. And this is what, God forbid, this country would, would turn into if, uh, if this uh, kind of nonsense is allowed to continue. You know, to get in this country from Canada, to get in this country from Europe, you have to present a negative COVID test. But not so in our southern border. Just come across and we'll just let you free into the uh, country and maybe here's a mask for you. Now, think Again, about, it's yeah. a chaotic policy and it's insane. Congressman Greg Murphy, our guest. Greg, um, the, think about this. The president of the United States said it was Neanderthal thinking to take, all, take the mask mandate down in Texas. By the way, cases are decreasing in Texas since that, uh, since that uh, mandate was released. But yet he can per- he can all definitely rationalize people coming from other countries thousands of miles and not testing them and letting them in. And we know that they're yeah. the ones that were tested. You got thousands that tested positive. So what do we got to do? We got to go isolate them. Now we got to go pay. We got to convert military bases. How much is that going to cost? Now we got to convert hotels. How much is that going to cost? Why is this okay in a time in which? We're in a cash crunch as a country writing checks uh, on uh, an accounts where there's no money. Well, it, this is, again, um, Brian, it's, uh, it's policies without forethought. It's policies without afterthought. It's, uh, it's policies based upon emotion. I mean, of course, you know, we want people to have a good life. I've worked in, in Central America extensively as a physician, and I know times are tough down there, and there are difficulties um, with regimes and everything else. But we literally cannot take every single person in this country that they want to. Their ulterior motive is to is many things. One is to try to overload the Texas state with uh, Democrats so that they'll uh, turn that state blue. Let's be very honest with you and, and cut through the uh, through the nonsense. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard to think of, of who is actually running the policy. I'm not quite sure that uh, uh, Biden really is capable at this point. 
All right, uh, Congressman, what, what's the next thing we could expect? Where are we going to see this bill? Are you going to bring it to the floor? Uh, well, I'd love to. I'd love to have hopes that it's going to do that. But uh, I, I'm not so sure that uh, Speaker Pelosi, who has literally the death grip on com. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Our, on Congress, where she's running a dictatorship, will allow it. But getting your word out there, I think, is important. I'm going to the border as a physician uh, week after next. Uh, several of us as physicians are going to go down there, and we will not be quiet about this. I just wish you get get their Democrats that agree with you, those Democratic mayors, people like Henry Cuellar, you have to get them with you. And that's the only thing that's going to get President Biden's attention if he's losing his I own agree. party. Right now he's underwater because uh, with this issue, he's a, a way above water overall on approval and with the $1.9 trillion, uh, but not on this. So you got to alert people because this— this is not about political gain. This is a problem for our national security. Congressman Greg Murphy, thanks so much. All right. Take care, Brian. You have a great day. You got it. one 408 7669 So when we come back, uh, we're going to take your calls. But as we go to break, I want you to hear what Joe Biden was asked yesterday as he got off this chopper. And this is uh, as he's about to get on his chopper and come back from Delaware. Again, goes to Delaware every weekend. Cut to. Mr. President, what are you getting up for Lent? We gave up all sweets for Lent. You have no idea how hard it is for me. <laughs> What's the first sweet you're looking forward to having when it's ice cream? This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I had seen that the World Health Organization team only spent three hours at the lab. While they were there, they didn't demand access to the records and samples and key personnel. That's because of the ground rules China set with the WHO, which has never had the authority to make demands or enforce international protocols. It was agreed first that China would have veto power over, over who even got to be on the mission. Secondly, and WHO agreed to that. WHO agreed to that. On top of that, the WHO agreed that in most instances, China would do the primary investigation and then just share its findings with these international experts. So these international experts weren't allowed to do their own primary investigation. Wait, you're saying that China did the investigation and showed the results to the committee and that was it? Pretty much that was it. Not entirely, but pretty much that was it. Imagine if we had asked the Soviet Union to do a co-investigation of Chernobyl. It doesn't really make sense. 
So, so that's Jamie Metzl. He's been on our show before, former NSC official. He's an advisor to the WHO. Do you see the corruption here? The WHO is taking their orders from the people that perpetrated this pandemic, China. That's exactly what Trump was saying for day one. Why are we in this organization paying most of the fees when we can't even get a straight answer on the pandemic that destroyed our, econ- our economy and poisoned the world? We lost 536,000 people and counting and we can't get to the bottom of this, and we have no leverage to get to the bottom of this? And we have a Secretary of State that says they're not looking for any retribution right now. So Jamie Metzl says this. Clinton used to work for Clinton. He does not does not have any political stake in this. He's, he's a medical expert that sees we're being screwed by a world body, just like we do all the time with the United Nations. And that's why Nikki Haley went in there and just peeled the paint off the walls and did such a great job. So this is what drives me crazy. Our medical team should be outraged by this. Our former CDC, uh, Redford, Dr. Redford uh, Field, came out and said, I think this came from the lab. I don't think it came from the southern China. How did the Wuhan, why did it end up in Wuhan where the lab is? And you say it came all the way from the south where there was no sign of the virus. All right. I don't want to get into detail because I know you don't care and I don't care. I want to know where this, how this started to stop the next one. So that is alarming. The Chinese are, have their hand on the investigation and deciding where the WHO will go to do the investigation. So listen to this soundbite leading into Anthony Fauci's interview. Do you expect this World Health Organization report to be a whitewash? You know, I don't know, Margaret, what I would like to do is first see the report. I think that's really important. You're getting a lot of conjecture around about what they did and what they were allowed to do and not. No one has been speaking specifically about that. When the report comes out, I'd like to take a really close look at that. Listen, they are speaking specifically about it. We know that to be the fact. He is so involved in these world bodies in the WHO. He came back and said, I'm glad we're back. I never thought we should have left. There was, there was no hell to pay. There was no, there was no conditions for us to re, reemerge, to restore the money. He should be outraged by this. His answer should have been to Margaret Brennan of Face the Nation. If this is in fact true, it's outrageous. We have been scrambling here trying to find to stop the SARS epidemic. We prepare with the test for the SARS epidemic. Then we find out it's human to human transfer. And we found out also that there's asymptomatic spread. As a medical professional, he should be outraged. Instead, he's playing it coy. Hops on with Rachel Maddow, ripping Donald Trump. No problem playing politics. Sits there with the World Health Organization. We don't know. We hear things. Glenn, listening in Michigan. Hey, Glenn. How you doing, Brian? Good. How are you? Good, good. I'm going to go back to the, our, the conversation you had a little bit ago about the border and all that, and then I got a, kind of a rhetorical question. Um, so everybody's saying, oh, we got these people coming over our southern borders, and uh, we got to take care of them, and this, that, and the other, but... Nobody's actually looking at the big picture. And the big picture is the reason why these people are pouring across the the border is, yes, they want a better life, but it's because the countries they're coming from are terrible. They suck. This is never going to – we're never going to solve this problem if we don't fix those countries. We can't fix those countries. We can help. We can aid. We can try to bring manufacturing there. But my goodness – did you see Philadelphia lately? Have you seen Seattle? Have you seen Minneapolis? We can't fix our country. Have you seen what's happening in New York City? Now I got to go handle Main Street in Nicaragua? I'm not writing a check over there. Forget it. 
I'm not fixing those countries. I'll aid those countries. I'll try to perpetuate and push forward manufacturing in those countries. But I'm not going to straighten out those countries. I'll advise those countries. I'll have financiers help them set up mortgages and financial situations in those countries. But I'm not fixing them. And we fix them. We, we, I don't want to pay for it. We had our civil war. We had our, our uprising. We had those things. They, the people that are coming across our southern border just find it easier to wreck our country than repair theirs. And that's why they're coming here, because they know they got free handouts and they've been living in squalor. So when they come here and get our handouts, they're living like kings. They're living Absolutely. high. Absolutely. You know, in Australia, you know what it takes to get to Australia? If, if you or I wanted to go to Australia right now, you know what the answer is? No. You know, these, there, are, there are advanced countries that just say no. All Europe, you got to go in and you got to apply, you got to go for citizenship, you got to take a test. Our standards are, are, are our standards. Why don't we just live up to the standards on the books? You know, if you're from Haiti, if you're from Norway, if you're from Nigeria, you got to go through certain processes. In Brazil, you got to go through processes. You got to go through our process to get here. I'm not going to expedite that whole thing or fix their country because they don't like their country. Rebuild it. You know, uh, you know, be uh, be the next George Washington. I can't fix your country. I certainly can't pay for it. And I certainly don't want to give you free health care when we can't get free health care over here. We can't afford to. We're not paying doctors enough to become doctors. Now we got to make them do more free surgeries, see more patients, or we got to provide Medicare and Medicaid for them when we don't have enough for us. There's nothing wrong with the country of putting their citizens first, our citizens first. And you, everybody knows that. I can't believe but we have to go over this again. I'm not fixing Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala. Thank you. Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Uh, Listen anytime and also get the podcast. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Michael Goodwin will be on with this hour, but I'll be able to take a lot of your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Haven't talked much about uh, Cuomo the last few days, uh, but his poll numbers, believe it or not, are stabilizing. Despite the fact we're getting more revelations about the preferential treatment when it came to testing. Who knows what's happening with the vaccine? As opposed to people upstate New York, and if you're listening around the country, upstate, very rural, a lot of colleges. They were basically ignored when they said we need more tests. He's out there making sure all his donors and his family are getting these tests, kidding around on CNN. And believe it or not, his numbers, he's still got 53% approval, 75% approval rating among New York Democrats. What will it take for people to realize what a bully and uh, an overrated, arrogant ass he is? So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. So if you don't like what they're doing in Georgia, you can go to court and stop them. But what they're doing with H.R. 1 is destroying the ability of any state to run elections, doing away with voter ID, changing the Federal Election Commission to make it partisan, and institutionalizing national ballot harvesting. Yeah, it's, uh, that's some of the things in H.R. 1, and Georgia thing needs to be further defined. Uh, they have new Georgia rules that are causing a boycott elsewhere. Hey, America, we have another issue front and center prepared to divide us on party lines. Dems want to nationalize elections and make voter ID old news. They call H.R. 1 the key to v- victory. I call it un- unconstitutional and a sham. Meanwhile, in Georgia, GOP tightened some rules, tightened ID requirements, and now woke corporations, sports leagues want to boycott. I'll try to explain. Number two. Why in Wuhan, to quote Humphrey Bogart, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, why Wuhan? What Wuhan does have is China's Level 4 Virology Institute, with probably the world's largest collection of bat viruses, including bat coronaviruses. Pandemic. Cases pick up. uh, Deaths and hospitalizations don't. And we need speed when it comes to vaccines. Some are already offering incentives, mandating them for admission to go into college campuses and maybe sporting events. While the debate heats up on how China gave the world this killer virus and why we still don't have not been told the truth and why the WHO is going along with it. Number one. Our objective is to take a different approach from the last administration. We are not going to send children under the age of 18, kids under the age of 18, back on this treacherous journey. They are fleeing uh, challenging economic circumstances, hurricanes. Getting worse. Smuggled out pictures show it. Kids in pens in Donna, Texas, 18,000 in all. Here already, and they're going to stay. They're allowed to stay, which means tens of thousands more will come. And the VP who was given this portfolio did nothing over the weekend. The president, MIA. But guess who might show up? Former President Trump. Joining us now, Michael Goodwin. Michael, welcome back. Good morning, Brian. Thank you. We have a lot to pick from. First off, I just want to handle the issue local, which is national. Governor Cuomo's ratings seem to be stabilizing, despite each day finding out his emperor has no clothes. How do you explain 75 percent of New York Democrats approve of him? Well, look, I think that he came into this with pretty high ratings, and it goes back to those TV performances that uh, were celebrated by the left and, and Hollywood. Of course, there's no distinction there. But that has, I think, kept him going uh, during this time. People people look to the governor to be the anti-Trump. That's why he was celebrated. And so you have a really – New York is really the bluest state in the nation in many ways. And so it's not really surprising that uh, – Democrats will will rally around him until it's uh, unmistakably impossible to defend him. Until then, I think they will. And look, these investigations that are ongoing, particularly the one with the attorney general over the sexual harassment allegations, I believe is going to be very thorough. Uh, they've interviewed the women who made the claims. They, uh, there was a story over the weekend that they have subpoenaed, I believe, uh, a dozen or so of aides to the governor with documents. So uh, I believe when you get uh, – if these allegations are true, uh, it's, we're going to find out because everybody's going to be under oath. 
and the people who work for the governor in his office, uh, if he did the things he's accused of, if he created the culture that we've been discussing, then they're going to tell the investigators. They're not, I, I don't think they're going to lie uh, and put themselves under the penalty of perjury to protect him if he did something. So uh, I think we're, we're going to have clarity, and at that point, I would expect that, if so, uh, the polls will dramatically turn against him. All right, uh, Michael, but your column, son, and we'll see. Well, you know, Chuck Schumer and Gillibrand have said that you should resign. So many prominent Democrats. So this has really crossed party lines. It's amazing. But, sure. he, you know, he doesn't have the – he does, He has nowhere to go, so he's going to let this uh, play out. So a couple of things going on, and you wrote about it, and that's what's happening with the voting in Georgia as opposed to H.R. 1. Democrats are trying to look at what's happening in Georgia and trying to compare that to them. And they're trying to make it so bad that they're going to have to get rid of the filibuster and pass H.R. 1. And I think the Georgian officials have done such a terrible job talking about their own bill, which is not bad at all for Democrats. Uh, what it does is requires photo ID for absentee ballots, limits time to request absentee ballots, but not that much, allows drop boxes for the first time in every single county, replaces the Secretary of State as election board chair with an uh, appointee, allows the election board to replace election officials in underperforming counties, thank goodness, bars an outside group from handing out food and water. This has been so misconstrued. What they're saying is you can have food and water, but it's got to come from the precinct. It can't come from outside groups. You don't want outside groups giving out coffee and water and Subway sandwiches online. That's called electioneering. So the polls close at 5 p.m. That might be something you might want to make it a little bit later. But everything else, well, they have have let you vote on Sundays. That's not true. It's been misreported. Now they're pressuring corporations like Delta, uh, Delta Airlines, Home Depot, United, UPS, uh, Coca-Cola, Aflac to start boycotting. Uh, boycotting the state. Well, what's interesting, Brian, too, I think that Joe Biden last week particularly kept using the phrase Jim Crow. Talking about this. Jim Crow of the 21st century. Uh, And I think that is the talking point for Democrats. As I wrote Sunday, you're seeing that phrase used everywhere by Democrats now. And it's not because the law is so horrible, as you've described it. It's that they're trying to demonize it as an excuse to end the filibuster in the Senate, not just to pass this new House bill, H.R. 1, which would nationalize and federalize all election laws, so Democrats could effectively remove all the safeguards. I mean, you will eventually see, if H.R. 1 becomes law in this country, you will very soon see non-citizens voting. I mean, it's already starting in some municipalities. There will be no safeguards, no identification, no way to know who people are. So you're going to have just free borders uh, and in voting precincts, as you have in Mexico. I mean, look at what they've done in the Mexican border, that's what they want to do in elections. And calling everything Jim Crow, which is a disgrace. I mean, Jim Crow was a real horror of racism. By Democrats. By Democrats. And using laws to enforce segregation and second-class status to blacks in the South. That's what Jim Crow was. And to claim that this law is Jim Crow 2.0, as Stacey Abrams said, it's just it's just blasphemy, really. I mean, it, it is an awful thing to do to this country. Well, how come you do a better job defining that than any Georgian uh, re- official? 
You just you just did a better job defending it than anybody I saw over the weekend. Uh, Governor Kemp, he might have great ideas, but he hides it by an inability to communicate exactly what he's doing, ever. I mean, he never even defended himself against Stacey Abrams, who never conceded the election. Where's his aggression? He comes to put together this policy. He does it behind closed doors and as if he's hiding it. I mean, come on, go out and tell everybody why they're wrong. Why does Michael Goodwin have to tell everybody why they're wrong? Well, and, and where are the Republicans in the Senate? Yeah. Where's Mitch McConnell? Where's John Thune? You know, Lindsey Graham said a few things, but most of them have been silent. The Democrats are all in on this. This is their whole game. If they can break the filibuster and if they can use the Georgia law as a wedge to do that, to call it racist, and then you get these corporate uh, groups, uh, as you say, boycotting, then you get momentum for breaking the filibuster. Right. Right. That will be if the if the laws are so racist, if the only way to fix that is to break the filibuster, then we have to break the filibuster. So think of it as like the the, the spear breaking through the wall and next come the tanks and the trucks carrying the Green New Deal, uh, you know, taxes for all. They will have broken the filibuster and that will be the opening for the entire far left agenda. So that's why this is all just a pretext for breaking the filibuster, because it's not just this, it's what comes after this. So I think everybody, Republicans and independents, who who see this correctly, really have to fight back against it, because, you know, it's they're coming, they're coming for the Georgia vote, but they're coming for a lot more than that. They are. They're uh, mandating ballot harvesting, really. So you can go to that nursing home, collect all the ballots and drop them off. Isn't that nice of them? Going to make D.C. a state? What the heck does that have to do? With uh, besides getting two more senators, Democratic senators, which, by the way, is unconstitutional if you read it, uh, public financing for campaigns. That means I'm paying for everybody's campaign, even people I disagree with and takes redistricting away from state legislatures, which is uh, part of the bedrock of of uh, the way we govern and the way we vote. Are you kidding me? It is federalism, which is not allowed. Specifically, they want the states to decide how to elect a president. So here's what Pat Toomey said. Did a pretty good job. Cut 46. When you look at the Georgia law, there's no voter suppression. Sunday voting is still allowed. There's an expansion of uh, in-person voting. There's no well, requirement that you have yeah. a reason for a, a mail-in ballot. All you need is some some verification of ID. And so does every Department of Transportation in, in America for, mm. in order to drive. So does every airline if you're going to get on a plane. So this has been a false narrative entirely, Chuck, and, and I'm afraid it's all about trying to get rid of the filibuster. Uh, We're not going to be cowed yeah. by being called racist over policy that has nothing to do with race. Yeah, and Chuck Todd's like, wait a second, I didn't read the bill, but that sounds kind of wrong, but it turns out right. On on um, on this week with George Stephanopoulos, they didn't even read the bill, they just came out with their Jim Crow lines, but they couldn't back it up at all. Yeah. Well, one of the things, of course, Brian, is this identification for absentee ballots. And, and just to summarize quickly, you can still now in Georgia, you can get an absentee ballot without excuse. Right. You don't need a reason. You can just request one. If you vote in person, you have to show an ID. So what this law does is it, it, it equalizes that. So if you now vote by absentee ballot, you also have to include some form of identification that you are entitled to vote. So if you vote in person, you do. And now you have to do it if you vote by absentee yep. ballot. How is that racist? Not, it isn't. I, I, 
unless the Democrats' plan was to just jam all kinds of illegal voters through the absentee system. That's what people believed happened in 2020. It was not ever proven by the courts, but at least this way you have a safeguard. Just trying to match signatures. Uh, You know, the, the poll watchers are not experts at matching signatures. That's what it takes handwriting experts. That that system doesn't work. But by requiring an ID for absentee ballots as well as in-person voting, you have taken away any incentive to cheat through absentee ballots. How is that racist? It's not. And that's what drives me crazy. Asking for ID is not anti, uh, it's not pro-white or anti-black or anti-Hispanic. It's called making your vote count and making sure that the final tallies are the right tallies. Uh, And I just think that the fact is that uh, when I'm watching, I'm just so frustrated listening to these Sunday shows, and now I'm here in the baseball all-star game, my kowtow to this and pull out. They're talking about canceling the Masters. So what will happen? They end up pulling back uh, this Georgia law, election law because the sports might pull out. Will someone show a backbone in this country? Incredible. They're coming for everybody. Michael Goodwin, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right, listen, I'll come back and get your calls, but we do have some good news, and it's about the Suez Canal. Allison, tell the world what you know. The the ship is released. It's floating away, and other cargo ships can now go back through the canal. Now, I ordered a washer-dryer over the weekend, so I might get it. I mean, where did you order from? I would hope you ordered <laughs> I, something made in America, Brian. I hope so, too, but <laughs> who knows? But the parts come from elsewhere. There you go. That's my problem. All right. I mean, it's amazing when you order something now. They basically, you're lucky to get it this calendar year. But I'm not complaining as long as I can go to a bar past 11. Then I know life's back to normal. Your call's next. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Please give dignity to the people. Please give dignity to the people. So you worked for the commissioner, your senior advisor. You were hired two weeks ago, and you're instructed to ask us to not have any pictures taken here. Please respect the people. Because the, the political rules. leadership at DHS does not want the American people to know it. Please respect the rules, You keep sir. standing in, in front of the pictures, so Please you don't want the, the pictures taken. Please don't treat the and people And your policies, like this. unfortunately, you, are trying to hide them. I understand That's you are instructed. When 18 senators came down here, respect the people, give them dignity I respect, and respect them, and I want to fix this situation. We all want and to fix the administration this, you're working for is responsible anymore. for these conditions. And there's no question about it. That was Ted Cruz at the Donna facility. He thankfully did get some video and some some stills out to show the terrible conditions these kids are in. Not happy about it, but it just shows you that Joe Biden ran and his whole party ran on ripping kids out and how they're treated, kids in cages. These are kids in clear pens. And it's much more overcrowded, I understand, from people that have seen both, judging by the photos, than it ever was under Donald Trump. But you know what Trump did? He corrected it. Not necessarily by opening up military bases and taking over convention centers in San Diego and Dallas, but by saying I'm taking Title 42. We're in a medical emergency. The kids will be flown right back where they were, and it would either remain in Mexico or you go back home. And that's in the country's best interest. It's about time we don't apologize for that. 
Let's go out to Doug listening online in uh, in Normal, Illinois. Hey, Doug. Hey, Brian. I just wanted to convey that uh, I've used tax software, and I've, a friend of mine, I helped him with a, a different kind. Both of them require you to put your driver's license or ID federal, or a state ID in. If they if to file taxes, you have to do – is that racist too? I guess so. Uh, state code, racist, or social security number. You have to put your social, social security IRS, number on it. That's it. I guess it's racist. This. Hey, if you want a vaccine, Doug, if you want a vaccine, guess what you need? You need ID. We should have a we should have a huge move to give uh, generic IDs to people that don't need that don't want any motor vehicle insurance or don't necessarily have an insurance card. We should find a way to get ballot IDs to people that for some reason slip through the cracks. Steve in Nevada. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Good to talk to you. Um, I actually called on this the other day, but um, I work for in the evenings a major uh, national retailer. And um, they like me working in the evenings because I'm old enough to sell alcohol and cigarettes to the people who come. Now, a lot of the people who come through are, are uh, either, you know, black or Hispanic uh, people of color. And I've never had anybody tell me that that was racist. Right. Uh, you need ID to buy cigarettes and alcohol, right? Uh, and you need ID to get a vaccine. But if you ask for it for, for a ballot, it's a racist thing. We're not buying that. You're not buying that. Please, American people, don't buy that. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Politicians focused on their own political ambition is mm-hmm. what's gotten us here in the first place. Yeah. Uh, you have legislators who are running scared. And so rather than uh, having the people select uh, their uh, uh, politicians, the politicians are trying to cherry pick their voters. This is an assault on the covenant that we have with one another as an American people. That is not true. Senator Raphael Warnock trying to make the most of what's happening in Georgia and compare it to H.R. 1, which nationalizes elections, allows ballot harvesting, makes D.C. a state. Is this unbelievable? Loosens a, a mandatory. Everybody's registered to vote immediately. You have voting month. It's incredible what's in this. H.R. 1 is 800 pages 800 pages they're tidying up things in georgia and the one thing i don't understand is is closing the polls at five i mean i I would not do that if someone's got to explain to me why they're doing that make it at seven people get off work at five they need to be able to uh vote but you know if they explain it i'd be curious but i shouldn't be asking that they should be out there pushing back every time Raphael warnock speaks somebody you have the governor kemp should be speaking the secretary of state from georgia should be speaking or or uh, some of the legislatures who put this together should be speaking, further defining how, if you support it, you're not racist. Anthony, listen to WGDA. Hey, Anthony. Hey, good morning, Brian. Hey, listen, you kind of stole my thunder about the uh, vaccination uh, and the IDs, because I, I just got my second shot the other day, and both first and second visits, I had to show my state ID four different times. And But the bigger point is... You know, as, as we were both, you know, you were talking earlier about 
who requires IDs, doctor visits to travel, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, I think it's a bigger insult just to make the general classification that minorities in particular cannot find the resources or they're, you know, they don't have the ability to get an ID on their own. And now they're just putting in a category where they're just incapable of helping themselves. To me, that's a bigger example of you know racism than than anything else we've seen absolutely uh, i think so anthony and pause if that is the case and i haven't met anyone with that id but let's say you're listening out there and they say well brian you don't know you understand uh x y and z fine you should start something in georgia where you can go ahead and then get your uh, uh your id validated you go to a local precinct uh you get fingerprinted and some and the the cops give you a valid id uh department of voter vehicle has a special line for people to show up but don't want to drive, who are living in the city, don't need a car, and you can line up for a validated ID. Why not? Here's Lindsey Graham, Cut 43. What's sick is H.R. 1, federalizing state elections. In our Constitution, state's supposed to run elections. H.R. 1 uh, is the biggest power grab in the history of the country. It institutionalizes ballot harvesting. It does away with the voter ID requirement. It will take over every election in every state. It makes the Federal Election Commi- uh, Commission a partisan commission. It will no longer be bipartisan. So that's the power grab we're standing up to. To my friends in Georgia, they had the highest turnout in the history of Georgia. We had 150-something million people vote. So every time a Republican Republican does anything, we're a racist. If you're a white conservative, you're a racist. If you're a black Republican, you're either prop or Uncle Tom. They use the racism card to advance a liberal agenda, and we're tired of it. H.R. 1 is sick, not what they're doing in Georgia. Absolutely not. And Lindsey Graham could go out there and go to bat for it. And they should understand, too, why is it a misdemeanor to give somebody water on a line? It's not. If you work at the precinct, what they don't want to do is have people show up and bribe people for a vote. You guys want lunch? You want a hero? Isn't that nice? Grab a Coke. You want a coffee? I'll go get it for you. They just don't want that. I don't have a problem with that. And what Republicans should push back and say, yeah, we're putting refreshments at the precinct, handed out by election workers who have been approved, interviewed, hired. As opposed to Democrats or Republicans showing up with their super PAC and their bells and whistles and say, man, uh, vote for it. Hey, you want a Coke? Make sure you vote for Warnock. Anthony, listen on WVMT in Burlington, Vermont. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Brian. Good morning. It's funny. Our uh, our representative Welch was on and said that it's it's crazy. They don't want they don't want people standing in line for six hours to have water. And then uh, the host of the local show pointed out that it was voter warming that that they don't want that there are refreshments at the polls um in vermont because we have a a large number of out-of-state college students who really want to drink and smoke that's fair uh but they don't necessarily want to drive a car so we have and our department of motor vehicle runs it we have a non-driver id to verify age yep however we don't require id in vermont (laughs) to vote it's nuts. Why yeah, would it is, you? It is pretty nuts. I, please. We're, we're just trying to make a living up here. And, uh, <laughs> ah. I don't understand why they don't want an ID because they don't want people driving. So why don't they have a non-driver ID nationally then? I mean, who cares? It's also it, it's guaranteeing your vote, Anthony. You don't want your vote canceled out by somebody who's not eligible to vote. So why wouldn't people just want to make sure people have an ID? 
I mean, I don't know anywhere where I'm not asked for my ID. I can't get into my uh, to a building. If I'm in Manhattan, for example, since 9-11, I cannot get into a building with my Fox ID. If I go to a, the bank or I have to go do another show and I go try to walk into another network or cable operation, I have to show my ID. And if I show them Fox ID, they go, I, I don't need this. I need your license. So I don't know how anyone gets around anymore with that ID. And I don't think they are. I'm playing the game. I know they're not. Thanks, Anthony. Cut 45. Pat Toomey. So I haven't, I haven't drilled down on uh, this distinction that you're making. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Democrats have been driving this message on H.R. 1. And I think we ought to be asking our Democratic colleagues, why are they so insistent that we not have any mechanism to verify that a person seeking to vote is, in fact, the person that they say they are? Why are they so insistent that people ought to be able to go ballot harvesting, maybe go through a nursing home and get a couple of hundred ballots that just happen to be uh, whatever they are? I mean, the, there is a completely false narrative about so-called voter suppression. It is. It's not voter suppression. What it is is just trying to make sure that people are the people they say they are. They live in the state. So they're going to have Dropbox. They don't want to get rid of Dropbox, but Dropbox is a problem. You can stuff the Dropbox. So they put cameras on. The question is, can you keep cameras on all of them? Can you monitor all cameras on all of them? So they said every county's got to have a Dropbox, right? At least one. Unless it's a huge county, there'll be more than one. But now for the first time outside the pandemic, there are Dropboxes. Well, now there's not going to be enough. Why, are there, why aren't there more Dropboxes everywhere? Because with them have to come security. They can get broken into. They can be taken. They can be replaced. That's what people worry about. You want people to believe in the election, not that the people who are in charge change the election. The Democrats probably are curious about that, too. So am I. So that's the issue. The water handled. The drop box is true. You can now apply for an absentee vote, but uh, absentee ballot, but they want to just make sure you are who you say you are. Provide a picture ID or your last four digits of your Social Security number or your tax ID number or your state ID number. The other big issue I want to talk about is is what they're jamming down our throats, and that's spending. So for $1.9 trillion, we're stunned that, you know, even during the, the worst part of uh, when Wall Street fell apart back in 2009, you know, the Great Recession, Barack Obama got $800 billion. And then he put it to projects, many of which weren't ready. And they bailed out the auto business. This $1.9 trillion that Joe Biden got that only 10% went to pandemic-related causes was stunning, jaw-dropping. He did it on a simple party line. So you think, well, that's once in a lifetime. That's wrong. Now he's proposing a $3 trillion infrastructure bill, uh, roads, bridges, tunnels, okay, dams. All right. How are they going to do it? How are they going to pay for it? Well, you know, I remember Charles Kreidhammer saying we haven't raised the gas tax since the 90s. Maybe we can do that. That used to replace roads and bridges. All right. I'm open to that. But now they're talking about putting a tax on mileage driven. So let's say you're one of those people who spend all your time on the road. You have to go in person these days when things get back to normal and you're a salesperson. How much money are you going to be paying? So you want to go on vacation, you want to drive across the country, help tourism. How much money is it going to cost you if Pete Buttigieg has his way as Secretary of Transportation? How much more money are you going to be taxed if you make over $400,000 as a family? Are you going to be giving up to 60 to 70% of all your income away? For infrastructure packages, go to blue states. So now they're coming up with a spending plan that's going to be financing pre-K. It's going to be financing community college, uh, uh, historically black colleges, 
going to be going through a series of social programs and green. It looks like the 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 uh, the birth of the new Green Deal. So listen how Jen Psaki proposes it. If suddenly realizes Chris Wallace realized in the middle of the interview that she's talking about a third spending bill. You got your one point nine. Then you want your three trillion, which more likes four trillion. And then you want another cut. Forty seven. I don't think Republicans in this country think we should be 13th in the world as it relates to infrastructure. Roads, railways, rebuilding them, that's not a partisan issue. That's a lot of what the president will talk about this Wednesday. Then he will have another package, another proposal that he will put forward uh, in just a couple of weeks that will address a lot of issues that American people are struggling with, child care, the cost of health care. So that's what they can expect to hear from him in April. So Just to lock down, two separate bills, correct? Two separate proposals, and we'll work with the Senate and the House to see how it should move forward. Okay. Oh, well, really? $4 trillion. The mileage tax, the gas tax, the carbon tax is coming. So this third bill is stunning. So they're going to have a big speech on Wednesday, and he's going to yell at you. Come on, guys. Oh, we need bridges. We need roads. We need waterways. We need sewage systems. All right, that's infrastructure. Republicans can be on board with that. But the other part of the bill is with the stunning part. Uh, that's the part where they add in health care. That's the part where they have free community college. Uh, that's the part where they allocate towards new sums towards child care. So this is something that has nothing to do with infrastructure, but they're going to put it under that bill. And if it doesn't line up with Republicans, want, which I'm telling you right now, they're not going to sign off on this. Then they're going to do it through simple reconciliation. Or they're going to blow up the filibuster and say, I have no choice because I care about children. You have a huge choice. And I thought this was put wonderfully by Amaya McGinnis. You might not know her, but listen to her organization. She's president of the Bipartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. She says this. It'll be a very dangerous for the economy if they use the justification that it's okay to borrow during a recession to continue borrowing. She warned against trying to invest in the next generation while simultaneously handing them the bill. Larry Kudlow thinks it's actually going to be worse. He said this on one of our affiliates, WABC, Cut 48. Most of these uh, initiatives are anti-business, a lot of class warfare against wealthy people. You're not going to be competitive around the world. You're not going to bring investment home. You're going to repel investment. Corporations will leave. Inversions will start all over again. So, and he goes on, he's really good. You know, he works so hard on the middle-class tax cut and the tax plan that Trump put forward, biggest one since Reagan, maybe bigger, and he's watching it being blown up piece by piece. one 408 I'll take some calls, but I also I want to see if there's indeed, and there might not be, but there might be, in, there might be something more to know. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I don't know what you're talking about. I just bought a gun last summer when all those white kids started talking about getting rid of the police. President Biden gave his first press conference, which lasted for over an hour. Shout out to fix it in. At the conference, President Biden was asked if he plans to run for re-election in 2024, which is probably the nicest way to ask him if he plans to be alive in three years. It's kind of funny. 
Yeah. I thought Michael Che was a little bit more uh, fair and balanced than Colin Jost. Oh, what a did, joke. He did a whole little monologue on gun reform. No, that's not why we're what watching SNL. late night television and comedy? These guys are all preachers now of the left. I agree it's with tragic. you. It's tragic. Let's find out, and I see the numbers up there. I'll see if I can do both. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. It's hard to believe this is true, but I'm going to go with it because Allison gave it to me and they're usually right. Prince William has named world sexiest bald man, that according to a new study. Researchers found that the 38-year-old Duke of Cambridge was described as sexy for 17.6 million people in blogs, reports, and pages through the Google search. The royal search resulted beat out Mike Tyson, Jason Steedham, Pitbull, Michael Jordan, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Bruce Willis, Vin Diesel, Floyd Mayweather, John Travolta. What is, how the hell could he be sexy? These other guys have committed to being bald. They but, look good bald. He's holding on to bald. If you're holding on to bald, you should not be eligible. So you think he shouldn't be qualified because he still has some Thank fuzz. Thank you. That's what I should have said. I mean, <laughs> and plus, listen, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the sexiest bald man. Am I correct? I'm going to take your word for it, and I can't wait till we play that back for you at a random time. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm right. Uh, let's go. Let's move on. Pierce Morgan reruns, uh, returns to bashing Meghan Markle. He blames tyranny of the woke mobs for his TV exit. A lengthy piece in the Mail on Sunday, Morgan details the dramatic month that saw him attack the Sussexes and eventually resign from hosting Good Morning Britain. Pierce returned to slamming Meghan Markle in a lengthy newspaper article published Sunday. In the Mail on Sunday, which runs over 6,000 words, Morgan details a near uh, day-by-day rundown of the last few weeks that saw him leave GMB in a blaze of ignominy, causing a firestorm of controversy in the U.K. over his comments. And Sharon Osbourne ends up getting ousted from the talk for defending him. Yeah, and he um, also def- he went off on that, too, and just basically said it's insane. And you know, for her defending him that she lost her job over it, it's nuts. He blames social media for much of the anger around the topic leading into the morning show. Normally, I revel in the noise. But unregulated social media, as anyone in the public eye will confirm, has got increasingly vicious and nasty. Do you think he's going to get another job? I think he will, right? I mean, he said he's gotten many offers, and apparently he got offers when he was still at the morning show, which is why he was so quick to incline to leave, because they were more lucrative. Sounds good. Next, Princeton Debate uh, Club cancels Ted Cruz, revokes James Madison Award. What a joke. I don't even think he went to Princeton, right? He is a Republican, but evidently they don't like about January 6th. Uh, there was a petition out there by one student. It caught fire, and now they're rescinding this. What could they did? Uh, they've done this before, two other Ivy League schools. Next time they try to give me an award, remind me that they're eventually going to take it away. So I need to already turn down Harvard, Princeton, down. Yale, Stanford. I don't even want to hear about it. I'll email them right now. Yeah, if you don't mind. Just a preventive no. If you would get in touch with them, even Dartmouth. Okay. Even though I have no problems with Dartmouth, and I like New Hampshire. Brent Kibbe, the Princeton University uh, senior that put put uh, put forward this petition. Those of us who support revoking Cruz's JMA, understanding that there will always be disagreements among people, especially when it comes to governing the nation. However, these disagreements must be confined within the limits and rules of the nation. All right, tell that to everybody else who protested Donald Trump for four years. What a clown. Next, Nashville mayor declares an emergency if the deadly flooding. Next. Defense Department's diversity inclusion officer compared Trump to Hitler. Isn't this fantastic? The Pentagon recently formed this unit, which I'm not sure why it has to happen. But 
It is Richard Torres Estrada. He took over March 1st as chief of the Diversity Inclusion Unit. So he sounds like he's really a fair and balanced guy. Uh, you can call people names as long as like it's Trump. Right. It's insane. And I'm going to try to go to a sporting event tonight, and I have to get a rapid test before I do it. Do you believe that? And I got to do it within four hours. Uh oh. But so- I try to get another test on Saturday, but they need more time to get it back to me. 72 hours. You believe that? That's the deep swab, which made me tear up. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The governor of Alaska, Mike Dunleavy, will be on with us shortly. Brett Baer at the bottom of the hour. And it's the day after National Choking Awareness Day. The man that saved more lives than anybody else I know, the CEO of Lightback. You're going to love this. If you think the Heimlich will work, you think you have what you need to save your child or somebody in your in your household, uh, or if you want to keep it in your car, if you see someone choking, uh, more lives have been saved with this device and uh, than anything else that I know of. Over the last uh, 10 years, Arthur Lee will be with us shortly. Uh, So we have a lot to go over today. And meanwhile, the the George Floyd court case has started, and they're showing the entire video in its entirety now. Uh, The whole world's reliving this horror. And you just want to go up and kiss and kick uh, D- Detective Chauvin in the face and tell him, get off of him. You hear everybody yelling to get off. And the hell he caused the Floyd family and everybody else uh, since then is incalculable. Uh, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. So if you don't like what they're doing in Georgia, you can go to court and stop them. But what they're doing with H.R. 1 is destroying the ability of any state to run elections, doing away with voter ID, changing the Federal Election Commission to make it partisan, and institutionalizing national ballot harvesting. It's true. Senator Lindsey Graham making it clear. uh, Hey, America, we have another issue to divide us on party lines. Dems want to nationalize elections with H.R. 1 and make voter ID old news. Uh, it's go- also called unconstitutional and a sham. Meanwhile, in Georgia, GOP tightens its rules, tighten ID requirements, and have not done any effort in explaining themselves. And now woke corporations are being pressured and sports leagues to boycott Georgia again. Number two. Why in Wuhan, to quote Humphrey Bogart, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, why Wuhan? What Wuhan does have is China's Level 4 Virology Institute, with probably the world's largest collection of bat viruses, including bat coronaviruses. And that's Jamie Metzl, who, as an advisor to the WHO, a medical expert, worked for Clinton, and is outraged about the cover-up that he's witnessing. The pandemic, first off. Cases pick up, deaths and hospitalizations go down. The need for speed when it comes to vaccine is paramount. Some are already offering incentives, mandate them for admission to go to college campuses and sporting events. While the debate heats up, we'll go over this. And China gave the world this killer virus. Millions have died. And while they still have not told us the truth about how it all started, the WHO is going along with it. Number one. Our objective is to take a different approach from the last administration. 
We are not going to send children under the age of 18, kids under the age of 18, back on this treacherous journey. They are fleeing uh, challenging economic circumstances, hurricanes. Jen Psaki, things are getting worse. And now we have smuggled out pictures to show how bad they are. Worse than anything you saw under Trump and President Obama and President Bush. Kids in pens in Donna, Texas. Yeah, you might have cages, but you have separation, overcrowding, all in uh, these foil blankets. Tell me how that works. 18,000 in all are there. They're allowed to stay past 72 hours, which means tens of thousands of unaccompanied minors will come because they'll get to stay. And the VP who's given the portfolio to fix it is MIA, as is the president of the United States. But Donald Trump might indeed be showing up. Uh, joining us now is Governor Mike Denlevy. Uh, Denlevy, uh, he uh, is the 12th governor of Texas, excuse me, of Alaska. And uh, Governor, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian, it's great to be on. And just a reminder, we're only two and a half times the size of Texas. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Less people, and you don't have a border problem, right? The Russians aren't coming in. Neither are the Canadians. No, we're, right now we're in good shape. We're, we're watching what's happening on the southern border, but we're in pretty good shape way up here. What are the Biden policies meant to you already in Alaska? Uh, it appears to be a, a systemic approach at canceling. Um, under the Trump administration, it was all about opportunity. Uh, every time I met with the president, and we met many, many times when he would refuel here in Alaska at, Anchorage, at the Anchorage International Airport or in Washington, it was always, a, I thought, a great conversation. He would say, uh, Mike, what can we do to help Alaska? How do we get more jobs? What are some of the things you want us to do? What are some of the things you want us to remove? And as a result, uh, we had uh, ANWR leases discussions on uh, outer continental shelf, uh, oil production, oil exploration, the Congress National Forest, largest national forest in the country, uh, going back to potentially using that forest or for jobs and revenue. I mean, the list just went on and on and on with that administration. Um, right now, this administration, we have not been able to get a phone call with the president. Uh, we had a five-minute talk on the phone with the secretary of state when they came to Alaska, and we didn't even know they were – I didn't know they were coming until it was all planned. And um, basically, it's, it's, it's a, a process of cancellation. Right now, the leases are being held up uh, for sale in Anwar. Those leases were part of the tax law. I know. In, uh, C-17 And um, I don't know how they can do it. And so we, we've got to fight back because Alaska is a resource-producing state. And uh, oil is big. Governor, is let me big. stop you there for a second. So wait a second. So the wall was being financed and paid for and built. He stopped that. And then the uh, and what was part of the tax plan, and you know yeah. I'm surprised it's taking this long, but you know better how long it takes to execute a lease. And now he stopped that. I, I mean, yeah. where did yeah. so you suing him? Uh, we're in the process of deciding what is the best approach to deal with this, but we are gearing up our Department of Law to actually begin a number of lawsuits. We're going to be joining with states that are also. Uh, having issues with their resource production, their resource exploration development. So we are in the process of gearing up to do just that. You're also going to be suing with 12 other states uh, the stopping of the Keystone Pipeline. Right, because we believe that that's just, that's just the beginning. That's just part and parcel of the cancellation of resource development, mainly oil and gas. And look, Brian, uh, there's many of us that agree that renewables have a place in energy production here in America, but you don't cancel oil and gas production, which provides thousands of jobs 
for Alaska, billions of dollars in revenue and opportunity, you have to have some sort of transition. It's not like tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and everything's going to be powered by renewables. There has to be a some type of coherent plan moving forward. And this idea that you just cancel things right from underneath the feet of states, uh, it, it's just not going to work. And so you're going to see a lot of lawsuits, a lot of litigation because of this. Well, I hope so. I mean, they didn't they didn't shy away from when, when President Trump tried to put an end to sanctuary cities. They sued him, and I think they ended up winning. The wall stopped and started 100 times uh, because they didn't like uh, the Remain in Mexico policy. They sued for that. California alone sued over 100 times, uh, and they were successful in a lot of those lawsuits. It really hurt the Trump agenda. I mean, you have to stand up for your people, and actually you got to stand up for the country because without Alaska oil and gas, we're not energy independent, and that's where we're heading right now. That's a national security issue. Absolutely. And what people don't understand is when you cancel oil and gas, it really hurts the poorest of us. Of course. Meaning it's the cheapest way to produce energy right now, but it also provides jobs and it provides revenue for states so that they can help folks that are in a lurch. And so the long story short is I don't think they're thinking this through. I I think they're I I think the president is catering to a, a base that just wants to wipe out oil and gas. And, again, I don't see a coherent plan to replace it. Neither do I. And a couple other things. Uh, you know, Dan Sullivan's going to bat for you guys and Lisa Murkowski. They want to win Senator Murkowski over. They feel as though her, along with Susan Collins, is somebody uh, they can win over. This is not the way to do it, is it, Governor? No. You're going to end up, like you said, you're going to end up having a lot of battles because it's an ideological difference. It's really a, a, a worldview that in some respects is very foreign. I mean, Brian, I, I was born into a world that for the most part uh, doesn't seem to exist anymore, where we're slicing and dicing society, where we're canceling uh, approaches to economies that make sense and replacing them to some extent with, with a new economy that isn't really, uh, isn't really planned out well. And so you've got to fight back. You've got to, you've got to, uh, it's like breaking open a smelling salt and sticking it up someone's nose. you got to get people to realize what's really happening here and stop the worst of it. So I understand Kelly uh, uh, Tabishka, if I mispronounced that. Tabaka. Tabaka. Commissioner of Administration is expected to announce she is running, going to primary Senator Lisa Murkowski in the 2022 midterms. We know that President Trump wants her primaried. Uh, what could you tell us about this and where do you stand? Well, I, I just heard this morning that the commissioner made a decision to uh, to run today, and so we're processing it. But the commissioner is a smart individual, a hard worker. We're going to see where this goes. It's going to be interesting. We anticipate that there'll be a lot more folks jump into the primary. It's just the way it works. And so, uh, again, we'll see how this all plays out. But, uh, again, um, uh, Kelly Shabak is a smart individual, a hard worker, and uh, we're still processing it because, again, I just heard about this this morning. So are, do, you, are you, do you believe Senator Lisa Murkowski has been representing Alaska well? I think, I think Senator Murkowski has been representing Alaska, but uh, not. You know, we don't always agree. Myself and others don't always agree with some of the decisions the senator has made. But, um, again, some of us are more conservative than others. Some of us are more moderate than others. And again, Brian, we'll see how this all plays out with uh, with folks jumping into this race. But one thing's for sure, it's going to get interesting. I understand that uh, Dan Sullivan, the other senator from Alaska, who just got six more years, uh, former Bush official, he will be supporting Lisa Murkowski. Does that change your mind at all? 
Um, no, I, I think um, you're, what you're going to find out about Alaskans is we're, we, uh, we're really very much individuals. And we're all going to make our own decisions as to who we're going to support and put our, uh, put our weight behind. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And we're anticipating uh, uh, right. more people jumping into these races. We're talking with uh, Governor Mike Dunleavy. And, uh, Governor, final thought on the lawsuits. How quick do you plan on acting on this? And what should you tell the American people of how, how, uh, how determined you are to, to fight off what this administration is doing? Oh, we're going to act quickly. And what I would tell the American people is um, we've watched this. We, we've watched this creep over the last uh, 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 several years, starting with Occupy Wall Street and the attempts to divide this country along different lines. And it's got to stop. And so we're in a fight. There's no doubt about it. It's a cultural fight. It's an ideological fight. And the people of America have got to stand up and let their voices be heard that this isn't right. We're not going to stand for it. Absolutely. Uh, you got to fight hard. Absolutely. I mean, you should be drilling in Anwar. We know that. Let me ask you, why was it delayed so much? It's been two years. Oh, it's just uh, you have environmentalists. Uh, you know, Alaska is every, every environmentalist dream to save from itself. And the fact of the matter is Alaska was purchased by Seward to be a resource production uh, territory and now a state. As a matter of fact, Brian, we're the only state that in order for us to become a state uh, and brought into the union, we had to agree to develop our resources. That's the irony. It's in our constitution. And so you have a lot of uh, NGOs, you have a lot of environmentalist preservationist uh, outfits that uh, are trying to turn Alaska into a big park. So it's constant litigation is the problem. And that's part of people get paid for the oil that you produce, right? Yeah, it's, it's strange. That's correct. Yes. Yeah, that's very interesting. And Seward, the former governor of New York, secretary of state, uh, they called it Seward's folly, didn't they? They called it Seward's folly, but uh, from our perspective, it was one of the best purchases ever. I know from my perspective, too. Can you imagine if we didn't have, not have Alaska? Uh, the Russians would love to take it. Um, oh, absolutely. We, uh, we, we were producing two, billion, or 2 million barrels of oil per day back in the uh, late 80s and 90s. We were the uh, workhorse for oil here in the, uh, in the country for some time. Were you part of the China meeting at all? Did you, I mean, they had a big meeting where the fireworks were flying? No clue. No clue was even uh, a schedule until we heard it from the news. That's and then we, uh, unbelievable. We horned our way into a quick meeting on the phone, and that was it. Yeah, they have a habit of doing that. They don't tell the governor of Texas that they're taking over facilities. They don't tell them that they're not going to be guarding the border. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting way they have a way of operating the country, uh, not commuting to Republicans. Governor, thanks so much. Best of luck. Hope you win everything that you're suing for. We will, Brian. Thank you. We'll keep in touch. You got it. Uh, Brett Bear at the bottom of the arrow, but the good news is you're next. I see you up there, one 408 We're not only going to talk about that. I, what if I told you that we might be looking at $6 trillion more trillion in spending within the next few weeks? And what if I told you the Democrats have a way to jam it down our throats? I'm not kidding. Don't move. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. When I saw what happened in New York City, almost overrunning of our health care system, it was like, oh my goodness. And that's when it became very clear that the decision we made on January the 10th to go all out and develop a vaccine may have been the best decision that I've ever made with regard to an intervention as the director of the Institute. Right. Uh, that was a great idea. Just like if you have a flat tire, it was my idea to get a new tire. Everybody wanted a vaccine, but the way he did it, mobile, where the president did it, mobilized the military, got the FDA involved, the CDC involved, and used the getting cutting-edge technology, going ahead and pre-buying all the vaccine, knowing if it didn't come through, he'd waste uh, 100,000, 100 million doses of money for 100 million doses, and we'd have a vaccine that wasn't effective. And instead, he financed a bunch of trials. We had at least two come through. Now three come through. Might have four come through. But Anthony Fauci, feel free to take credit for it. Incredible. Ricardo in Texas. Hey, Ricardo. Brian, good morning. This is after listening to your interview with the Alaskan governor. You know, I was telling Pete, I'm a bit frustrated today. But, uh, you know, I put in 35 years with the government. And, you know, that didn't give me any special privileges to violate any laws that I myself was enforcing. If anything, I was expected to be the epitome of the example and go above and beyond to make sure that I followed those rules. I did not have any special privileges just because, you know, I enforced those laws. And I just can't understand how the president believes he can go into office and violate laws that have been established by Congress by a simple executive order. Think about the difference between him and President Trump. President Trump's sanctuary cities are against the Constitution. He couldn't get these judges to go along with these liberal cities. And then he says, I want to enforce the border. He's not saying I want to take down the wall. He's not saying I want to proliferate illegal activity. He's not saying I'm taking away oil and gas. He's saying let the free market decide where our energy goes. And you people are on the president for trying to get people, uh, you know, within the law. The former president. This guy's out of control. What I think makes it worse, Ricardo, is he told everybody he'd be different than that. Thanks so much for the call. Janine in Wisconsin. Janine. Brian, I am so excited to be on. Um, hi. Thank you. Uh, first thing, this whole voting closing at 5 p.m., you know, it's traditional that Republicans always say we vote after work, so the polls change later at night when you see everyone get off work and go vote. So what are they trying to do? So I'll take a vacation day. I don't care, but it's just interesting to me that it's going to hurt the working class voter. The last thing I have is everybody talks about what happened in the Capitol, uh, the Capitol riot, which is not okay. I live in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We are still not okay from one, the unrest last summer. Thank you, Trump, for coming here and trying to save what was left of our burning city. Kenosha. Yeah, absolutely. And they went to visit the Blake family, uh, but no one ever went to the city to find out. Joe Biden never went to the city to find out what happened to these uh, these small business owners who were ruined maybe forever in the middle of a pandemic where they had trouble having business anyway. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Some will be returned, but over 2,000 of them have been released into the United States without a notice to appear. I emphasize, without a notice to appear at an immigration court. They're supposed to appear, uh, show up maybe in 60 days, report uh, to a ICE office. 71% out of the 100,000 people that passed in, uh, in February are adults. Those are being returned, expelled back. Some family units are ex uh, turned back into Mexico, depending on the age of the kids. 13 and above are being returned. Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar, he doesn't need to get CBP numbers. He talks to them every day. He's on the border himself because his people who he was in a border, he, uh, his congressional district is a border community, are being overwhelmed by illegals who are flooding in the border at a rate that we have not seen before in our lifetime. Joining me now to discuss this, Brett Baer, chief political anchor for Fox News, anchor of Special Report. Uh, Brett, welcome back. Hey, Brian. So this is a huge thing. I mean, by the way, the MVP of Congress right now is Henry Cuellar. His pictures that he gave Axios gave the reality. And now we have video from Ted Cruz, too. Don't you I don't want to put words in your mouth. Isn't this worse than you thought? Yeah, I definitely think it's worse than um, anybody thought. And, um, you know, the downgrading of how the administration talked about it. Uh, really kind of flew in the face once you saw the pictures. And you're right, uh, Cuellar kind of led the way, especially as a Democrat in a party that's putting a lot of pressure on him to kind of toe the line that they've got this under control. Um, I do think that more and more of those border state Democrats are going to be speaking out uh, because it's untenable. You can't do it for too long. Yeah, uh, so you had a, a bunch of Republican senators go down there and, you know, sometimes, Brett, you see it more than most. You can see that they're just ginning up the emotion, right? They're thinking of the catchphrase that's going to get them on the news. They seem moved. I watched all of them go to the microphone with no notes and just talk about what they've seen from being heckled by the coyotes, uh, the, the cartels across the Rio Grande River the night before, to going and seeing these facilities and being told you better not uh, take any pictures. Right. Yeah. And then... You know, coming out of there with uh, stories, each one of them, about uh, what they've seen. And, uh, you know, I think if you talk to the Border Patrol, they're not – there's not a partisan part of this. It's not uh, Republican or Democrat. It is just dealing with this problem. And uh, they've got to figure it out, and it's, it's a tough problem to, to deal with. Here's what Ted Cruz uh, said yesterday with, uh, with Maria, Cut 26. We spent a day and a half down at the border, and I'll tell you, it, it is bad. I've been to the border many, many times. Uh, it is the worst that I've ever seen it. Uh, it, it is a full-blown crisis. Last month, the month of February, we had over 100,000 illegal aliens crossing over. Roughly 30,000 of them were unaccompanied minors, kids. And, and just today, uh, the Biden administration has over 16,000 children in custody, we went and toured the Biden cages. You know, for four years, we heard Democrats in the media talking about kids in cages under President Trump. So, I mean, these, these are their pens. I don't see the wires, but there's no difference. And they're, they're more crowded than I ever thought. All you see is these aluminum foil blankets. And his answer is to convert military bases and convention halls without telling the governors in their in their states. 
So that's to me, it's not an answer. You cannot allow every unaccompanied minor to stay here. There was a reason why you had Title 42. We're in a pandemic. You could fly them back, Brett. It's a false choice they keep giving to say they're going to be sent back on foot. Well, the other thing is, is that the numbers that uh, President Biden said at that news conference were just wrong. You know, the, he said the vast majority are being sent back. Well, that's not true. Uh, just look at the numbers from Border Patrol. Um, and, you know, he also said it was seasonal, that it happens every season. Well, it has, there hasn't been a season like this uh, since we've been watching. I mean, yes, it goes up, but not, not to this extent. It hasn't. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is Jonathan Carl filled in for George Stephanopoulos over the weekend, was on CNN, if you could follow this. Uh, there to talk about what was happening. Cut 13. Watching from home, I, I would have liked to have seen, uh, uh, you know, more questions, certainly questions on COVID. Uh, but there were good questions asked. And, you know, I, I mean, you pointed to Cecilia Vega. I think that's incredibly valuable. That is not right-wing talking. Paint. Cecilia had just been at the border. She had just talked uh, uh, to, uh, to, to migrants who, who had come over, including some that said point blank, that they had come uh, because they thought they, they would have better treatment now that Joe Biden was president. That's mm. a legitimate question uh, to put to the president. And, and I thought that his answer uh, was one of the more interesting moments in that press conference. And his answer was, we, we're going to be transparent, not yet, basically. You're not allowed in yet. Yeah. When we're ready. Right. We'll be transparent when the process is set up. Basically, we'll be transparent when we clear all these kids out of there. Um, so... Yeah, I think that was illuminating. I do think that was a good question. Uh, I think other ones uh, left a lot to be desired, especially in the follow-up category. I agree with Jonathan about the COVID questions. I mean, with all that we're facing on schools and states and decisions, and now you have the CDC director coming out saying, you know, she's scared about the numbers and that you got to hold on. You know, there are different messages being sent, and uh, different states are doing it differently. So that would have been a good thing to hear from the president. Uh, yeah, the other thing is, so his, he's underwater when it comes to how he's handling immigration, but how he's handling uh, the vaccines and COVID-19. He's got 75% approval and 72% approval. The economic recovery, he's got 60% approval. Um, you know, even though 30 states have cases rising, Michigan's up 50%. Uh, New England is up uh, 2 Texas has seen a 17-day decrease ever since they had the mask mandate. New York is going up slightly, but a lot of that's to do, they believe, with uh, behavior. The other thing that he's going to look to do is, with his numbers up, he's going to go looking for spending packages. What I was stunned to see is he's not looking for one spending package of $4 trillion for infrastructure. He says three, but it looks like he's going to end up four. It looks like he's going back for two more, at least, spending Listen to what he, he Jen Psaki told uh, your idol, Chris Wallace, Cut 47. I don't think Republicans in this country think we should be 13th in the world as it relates to infrastructure. Roads, railways, rebuilding them, that's not a partisan issue. That's a lot of what the president will talk about this Wednesday. Then he will have uh, another package, another proposal that he will put forward uh, in a, just a couple of weeks that will address a lot of issues that American people are struggling with, child care, the cost of health care. So that's what they can expect to hear from him in April. But ju just to lock down, two separate bills, correct? Two separate proposals, and we'll work with the Senate and the House to see how it should move forward. Uh, is he, are they kidding? And the other bill is full of social things like pre-K, uh, money for community colleges to make it free, making the child care, uh, the child tax reduction permanent. Where's how, Are they going to just do that all through reconciliation? 
Um, probably. Um, probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they've got one more bite at that apple, but they could split it up. And, um, and I, I think they're going to have to because they just won't, they won't have those votes. Listen, she's right. Uh, infrastructure is not a partisan issue, but paying for infrastructure is. Uh, eventually, you have to figure out how to pay for it. And, you know, everything sounds great, just like in the primary debates where Bernie Sanders promised the moon uh, and the stars. But then when you dug into how you're going to pay for it, it is there's not enough people to tax. There just there aren't. And uh, what these bills will include is a lot of projects and a lot of jobs that are tied to those projects, but a ton of new taxes that will, I think, expand our knowledge of how you can tax. I mean, basically, he is running Bernie Sanders. He's running with Bernie Sanders' agenda. He, you know, so it's uh, what Senator, De- uh, Senator John Thune talked about over the weekend, Cut 50. A lot of the things that they're trying to put in place are uh, dominated by the far left wing of their party. The Bernie Sanders wing of the party is, is the center of gravity now in the United States Senate. They're calling the shots, and uh, their leadership seems intent on moving a very far left agenda uh, completely devoid of any op- you know, opportunity for Republicans to get their ideas or their input into the discussion. So that's where we're at right now. Well, you- Brian, let me, just, let me just add to that. If you went to the primary debate and the primaries all along and you listened to that and you listened to Joe Biden and then you just took – you didn't know who the president was. You just saw the policies that have been in place. You would say, oh, well, this is obviously Bernie Sanders. Or this is obviously Elizabeth Warren, if, if you didn't know the president. Now, there's no way you'd look at that Democratic primary race and say these policies match with what Joe Biden was saying on the trail. There's just no way. I know. And I, I did not think he'd give in. I thought it would be the opposite. He would talk more about doing stuff with Bernie Sanders and let him fade away because in the general population outside the primary, he's not nearly as popular. But I was wrong. And I'm not sure if Joe Biden knows what he's signing on to, but I don't think he uh, 50 percent of the country want to immediately digest the new Green Deal. I just had the governor of Alaska on. He's seeing all his oil and gas programs go on hold and he's suing. And there's a lot of people with a lot of fight left because they don't like where this administration's heading. Uh, Anybody you want to promote tonight, Brett? (laughs) We've got, um, you know, this this trial and. Minneapolis is going to be fascinating to watch the Chauvin trial. Uh, Matt Finn's on the ground for us. We'll have a legal expert looking at kind of setting the table on that trial. And I've got Britt Hume uh, talking about what we're talking about, taxes and the way forward for Democrats. So it'll be interesting. You know, Britt, my mentor and friend, he's great to have on. Right. He is. But you got You have a big budget. I can't afford him. You know, <laughs> I mean, you have that. Uh, you got that budget for contributors. I have everybody. I just do it for. I just do uh, cross. I I do barter, so I do chores around their house if they come on my show. And and I'm cheap. (laughs) Yes, you are cheap. I can't wait to (laughs) rake later today. Uh, Fred, thanks so much. See ya. All right. When we come back, you know what today is? Well, it's the day after a National Choking Awareness Day. More kids lose their life to choking than anywhere else. I'm about to introduce you to the inventor of LifeVac. You've had him on the show. You've heard him on the show before. But they have now, since, get this, since January of 2021, they've saved 23 lives. They're up to 118. How many people can invent something to have those type of results? Not many. You'll meet them next.
It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Just wrapping up. You can get our show anytime, anywhere. We've got the podcast alive, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. And if you have, you've heard our next guest on before. Arthur Lee is the founder and CEO of Lifeback. Uh, he, a few years ago, decided he wanted to take some action when he realized how many kids lose their lives uh, when choking, and even older people choking. And everyone thinks, well, you got the Heimlich. Not so fast. Arthur came and innovated something himself that's making a huge difference. The numbers are stunning, at least. And I think there are more, but people have contacted him again to say there's been 118 verified live saves around the globe due to LifeVac. And uh, here with more is Arthur Lee. Arthur, welcome back. Hey, Brian. Thank you so much, man. You're hey, making a difference. Yeah, hey, this is the National Choking Awareness Day. First off, how big a deal is it? The uh, People listening right now want to know, how many people usually die for choking, especially kids? Well, you got 5,000 people a year. It's a fourth leading cause of accidental death overall, just under car accidents. And one child every five days, 13 people a day choke to death in the U.S. Uh, eight lives saved this month, 50 children saved overall. Uh, there's so many different scenarios. People write you with the scenarios, and you even have a one here of a senior who has ALS and was uh, uh, was choking on a hamburger, right? Yeah, you heard about it on Fox, my friend. You saved the life. I uh, heard about it on Fox. He was eating a White Castle burger, was choking, the Heimlich not working, grabbed the life vac, and was able to get the little piece of onion out. Now, what you do is you push, you place, you place, you push, you pull, right? That's it, Brian. I kept it super simple so that when you're in a panic and you want to save your child or your loved one, it's easy to do. Place it, push it, and pull it. So when you have uh, listened to some of these people talk, how do you get the word out that this life back was out there, that schools, fire departments, households should have it? Well, you know, our main thing is Facebook, but, you know, people like you have stepped up. I mean, Fox saved this person's life. Without your voice, he doesn't. he's not alive. And, you know, we've had some TV and some other things, but we're starting to get some momentum. And we have families all over the country. When they save their own life, they help, too. So it's a it's a homegrown type deal. Yeah. And, and describe it. I'm holding it now. People watching on Fox Nation. Uh, describe what it is and how easy it is to store. Well, it's a, just a simple plunger like you'd, you'd use for your sink. It's a small one, and it has a vent system on the front. So when you push it down, the air vents out the side. It's got a little mask, whether it's adult or a child mask. And when you pull it up, it creates a quick pop of suction, 300 millimeters of mercury, just like a hard cough, and out comes the object. How much? Sixty nine ninety five. net. Yeah, if you if you order from WABC, by the way, uh, you get ten percent off. So, uh, Arthur, did you even know there was a choking awareness day? And do you have you gotten feedback from that? Well, no. And when when this was ten years ago, when I started looking at it to protect Jackie, my daughter, I didn't think any of these things. Five thousand people, one child every five days. The Heimlich only works fifty to seventy percent of the time. Totally unaware. I took the course. I thought it was good. And when you know the numbers. You, you get scared, and I did something about it and made something simple to save my girl, and, and now 51 children have been saved because of it. But you got all the approvals, right? The FDA? Yeah, I mean, 
some of the, the we just had a really uh, great one come out in the UK about uh, successful use of suction devices and light, light back was 99% effective uh, and the abdominal thrust of the uh, Heimlich maneuver was 71%. So, you know, those odds weren't good enough for me and that's why I made light back to save Jack and now others. Right. So, uh, and Arthur, I've known him forever. Um, you didn't, you were done. You retired. You didn't, you didn't need this to make a living. You this, you're an inventor by trade. You, your dad was an engineer. So you have a knack for this. You have an ability. I could do this all day. I'd never come up with an idea like this. But Arthur, I think it's the other thing that's important is when you get to ages like us, you get to, no, you don't need anything. You don't need anything really past 10 years old. So when people go to buy gifts, like, what do I get these people? You know, a housewarming gift. What do you want to get? Well, you can get them a fire extinguisher. That's going to be effective. It's it's very very practical. And if something happens in your uh, in your house, you go, "Wow, thank goodness I had it." But if you have this in your house and you're a babysitter or you're a grandparent and your kids come or your grandkids come over to play and you have this thing or you give this thing, you will never ever forget that moment or who gave it to you. Am I correct? Are you finding that? Well, Brian, you know, one child every five days. You know, when I did this, I saw my little seven-year-old. I learned about how small the windpipe, how common it was. I mean, there's no better gift. We've had people who have given them as gifts and and saved the life. And like you said, man, at this point, I, I didn't want to do it. The last thing I wanted to do was, quote, unquote, start another business. I did it for 30 years. But you know, it's a bigger picture. I had to. I, I could not be the only one that could save my child and just let everyone else go, especially when you find out how common it is. Right. Yes, it's a great gift. And you're the perfect guest for uh, National Choking Awareness Day because you're putting an end to it. Arthur Lee, founder of CEO and CEO of LifeVac. Go to www.lifevac.net, and then you put in WABC, the code there, you'll get 10% off. Arthur, great job. Great talking to you again. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Brian. You're saving lives. All right. No, you're doing it. Uh, We're just providing the information. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Make sure you keep it here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Get any of my books. I sign and I send. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.